it's Jeannie, Thistlepack and Mountain Mama Health Nut. Welcome to today's episode. I'm glad you're here. Today in the All Things Health segment, I'd first like to tell about GMOs, or genetically modified organisms, that our government is pushing on us. And then, as promised, I'll share two more tot suggestions from my Throw Out the Trash Weight Loss Weight Success Program. And keep listening after this segment as I share a true story about a drought and fires we had to deal with caused by a hay baler. Gets pretty hot. But first, let me ask you a question. Are the vitamin mineral supplements you're taking really helping you? Do they give you optimal nutrients at the cellular level? Because these are good questions to ask yourself. 3 International is a proactive wellness company that specializes in high-quality nutritional supplements. And I personally consume these products. And since I began taking them, I can tell you I haven't had one cold. And I was getting a cold about every six months. And that's why I love the Talate, and I love the fact that it's made from whole foods. Finally, my body is getting all of the nutrients it needs. Don't just use any vitamin mineral supplement because it's cheaper. You might as well throw them out the window. Give your body high-quality nutrients. You'll be so glad you did. Now, all of the three products are listed in the physician's desk reference. That's huge. And the website for that will be listed in the show notes. It's www.pdr.net. And to purchase these products, visit my website, genieolson.iii.earth slash enrollment, and that's also in the show notes. Okay, I thought I would do it a little bit different today and share what I think you should throw out of your diet first and why, and then I will give you the two more top suggestions. And I say suggestions because I can't say the word tip without saying it wrong. But anyway, GMOs are now called bioengineered, like that's any better. I recently came across a Facebook post by my friend Becky, and it was very powerful, and it showed 72 foods that are labeled genetically modified or bioengineered. And my first thought about it when I read that article was, wow, because that list is pretty extensive. So I thought, well, yeah, I'm going to talk about that today. So first, I'm going to talk about what GMOs are and then how they're made. The definition of GMOs, genetically modified or bioengineered, means an organism's genome has been engineered in a laboratory in order to favor the expression of desired physiological traits or the generation of desired biological products. So what does that mean exactly? Well, according to Medical News Today, it means the DNA has been altered to make the food taste better, produce more fruit, be more resistant to disease, or even to gain a commercial advantage. Corn is a big one as well as soy and wheat, but animals are involved as well now, and salmon is. Manufacturers might want to use GMO products for various reasons, like they can get more crops within the same period or area. The crops are insect or disease resistant. They're better tasting, like I mentioned before. They have more nutrients, and the crops mature faster, and this speeds up the overall production. And at first, this sounds pretty good, but it also sounds like they're playing with Mother Nature. The food becomes man-made, not God-made. So what are some of the health risks? Now keep in mind that the FDA has approved GMOs as safe, but many scientists say they are not. And here is what the scientists say. GMOs are toxins in the plants, and many of the plants have trace amounts of toxins that are harmful in higher doses. Some health concerns are an increased risk of cancer and infertility. They also say there is an increase in allergic reactions in some people, especially those who aren't used to the type of proteins in the genetically modified food. Or maybe they're like me and they're just super sensitive to anything that is not completely natural. 
They say there isn't any long-term human studies done to date. Let's not forget that plants cross-pollinate naturally, so what happens when you cross a normal plant with one that is made in the lab? Good question, huh? And I don't have the answer, but it's definitely a concern. Why does the FDA and other agencies like WHO, EPA, and the Department of Agriculture think they are good? Here's what they say. It gives more people access to healthy food. After all, there is a shortage in the winter. Since when? And they say farmers won't need to use harmful chemicals to kill insects. They say the food they're healthier. And I'm like, really? By changing them in a lab? They'd say it helps the environment by reducing the damage that farming does to the environment. Like, what? They say that GMO crops require little to no soil tilling, which produces healthier soil. So, since when does tilling soil harm the environment? It actually helps to aerate the soil, and it kills obnoxious weeds naturally without chemicals. And they say less labor is needed to grow these crops. Oh, so there's loss of jobs. See, that way people have to be dependent on the government, so I can see their agenda. What's even more interesting is the companies that control this market will not allow independent research because they want to protect their profits. Of course they do. Up until January of 2022, there were no requirements to label food as GMO or bioengineered. Now manufacturers are required to do so under the National Bioengineered Food Disclosure Standard. And if a food ingredient meets the definition of a GMO, then the food label must say so. However, you won't find just exactly how much of the bioengineered plant is in the product you're buying. Maybe we'll get to that point, but right now it's not. Remember how I said there was a list of 72 different products posted on Facebook? Well, this list was put together by, or passed on by, and I'm not sure which, by Melissa Miller Harder. And I want to list just a few of these products. Now keep in mind that all of these products come in a box, a bag, or a can, so naturally they're not the healthiest options. Now at the very bottom of the label on the food product, you'll find the wording derived from a bioengineered source, or it will say something like comes from a genetically modified crop. But anyway, here is a brief list of some of the products. Now keep in mind there are hundreds, and there's, these are just a few. So I have Raisin Bran, Oreos, Pop-Tarts, Hellman's Real Mayo, Campbell Chicken Noodle Soup, Coffee Mate Creamer, Honey Made Graham Crackers, Clabber Girl Baking Soda, that one surprised me, SpaghettiOs, Lucky Charms, Ah, oh, I still love Lucky Charms, Ritz Crackers, Campbell's Beef Gravy, Betty Crocker Fudge Brownies, Hidden Valley Ranch, how, how many of us eat that, Snickers, uh, Prego Plant Protein Spaghetti Sauce. And I could go on and on. No matter how the government says it, no matter how they word it to say that GMOs are just better for you and the environment, they're not. Now, I'm not a scientist, but I do trust the scientists a lot more than I do government agencies, that's for sure. And bioengineered plant, animal, and fish products are not natural. They are man-made, not God-made. My advice is the same as it's been on all of my previous episodes, and that is that we all need to be more vigilant than ever when we're reading the labels. And independent groups are doing a great job pushing the government to put on the labels what's actually in the products, but still there's a lot that is not disclosed. It's my opinion, but I strongly feel you should throw GMOs or bioengineered products in the trash and don't consume them. Even if you can't totally eliminate them, cutting back would be a huge step. 
Okay, now on for the two top weight loss success suggestions. First, I thought it might be helpful to share a little of my health journey in hopes that it will help you be more successful. I definitely have struggled being healthy, and I've needed to lose weight, and I've also needed to gain weight, and both are real struggles. I've been called chubby, and I've also been called anorexic. And the anorexic part wasn't accurate, but the chubby part was. Anorexia is a real and sometimes life-threatening eating disorder, and I didn't have an eating disorder, but I did have health issues that caused me to be very thin. But back to the chubby part, and I like to say chubby better than fat. I don't know why, but I do. I don't know, it just sounds better. And it was crazy because I didn't even realize I was slowly gaining weight. I never got on the scales, I guess. Having my head in the sand was so much better, but I sure like to eat. Between eating and my hormones changing during perimenopause, I gained about 30 pounds. Now, maybe that's not a lot to some of you, but I definitely didn't like how I looked. I didn't like how I felt in my clothes. It was just way too easy to go up a pant size. And most importantly, I didn't like how I felt health-wise. And the real eye-opener for me was when my daughter Katie suggested I buy shirts that wouldn't flare out over my belly. I was shocked she thought they did. But when I really started to notice, the shirts I was wearing didn't come all the way down to my waist because my little belly was in the way. And looking back, I appreciate my daughter telling me that. And I'd much rather hear it from her than from somebody else. A lot of the ideas that I'm going to share with you are the ones I've used to lose weight. I, and I also cut back on my portion sizes, chose healthier options, and yes, I started exercising again. And I say again because I was an athlete in high school, and I've been active most of my life. And I know there are some experts today that say you don't need cardio, but I disagree. Because, you know, our bodies are designed to move. I started out with walking, and walking is a great way to get cardio in. I did lose some weight walking, but eventually I just needed a change, something different to do. And it was Thanksgiving Day, and my daughter-in-law, Stephanie's sister, Pam, she had just ran a 5K that morning, and she looked so great. And I thought to myself that, you know what, if she can do it, so can I. So that's when I decided to start running. And I was 48 years old. That was 10 years ago. And I found this Couch Potato to 5K app on my phone, and I just started running. And it was hilarious because the first week, I had to run one minute and then walk a minute and a half. And I did this for 15 minutes. And you know what? When I was done, I had to go in the house, lay on the couch, because I was utterly exhausted. That's how out of shape I was. And what's even more funny is that I used hiking boots as my first running shoes because there was snow on the ground and I had to run outside. But you know what? I did it. I started. And today, I run in 5Ks, which are 3.1 miles, and 10Ks, which are 6.2 miles. Now, I am certainly not bragging because I've never won a race. I've never even placed in the top 10, but I always finish, and that's what my goal always is. And I actually have several pairs of real running shoes now. And I'm in the maintenance phase, which I will have in my top program as well. But I still have to be aware of what I'm doing, because being healthy is a lifetime choice. And I wished it was just something you had to do once and you were set for life. But unfortunately, that's not the case. Well, I hope this helps you understand me better, and it's my hope that the two suggestions I'm going to share with you will help you along the way. So, taught suggestion number five is goals. I mentioned journaling in an earlier episode titled Weight Loss Tips 1 and 2 and Semi-Glutides and a Mysterious Mouse, and I encourage you to give that a listen. 
because I believe journaling is a great way to discover why you eat the way you do and most of the time it stems from your childhood. Just as important as finding out why you have the eating patterns you do is to have a reason, a why, or a want to change. And that's where goals come in. Now goals aren't new because every weight loss plan on the planet has a section for goals, but but they're still very important. Here's a quote from Evan Carmichael, and I think it's so profound. He says, planners need to do and doers need to plan. And it basically means always be doing something. And so that's why I feel goals are so important. You need to have something to work towards and also something to keep you going. My suggestions are simple. Write down your short-term goals, your middle goals, and long-term goals. You can even date them if you want to. And here are some examples. Of the short-term would be stick to my serving sizes and do some form of exercise consistently for one week. Now, the first week is the hardest. Middle goals could be something like be down 20 pounds, choosing healthier options to eat is easier for me, And long-term, an example would be, I have lost 40 pounds, I eat healthy, and I walk five miles a day. Notice how I say them in the middle and long-term goals? I write them down as if I'm already doing them. And this helps to change your mindset from I can't to I'm doing it. Now take your time writing these out and make sure you're clear about what you want. And then put these goals where you can see them every day. Even writing them on sticky notes and plastering them everywhere is great on your mirrors, in your car, in the fridge. That would be a great place. Okay, taught suggestion number six is the scales. Uh, Not the scales. I know, I know, they're not our friends. I have two scales in my house. One I call the naughty scale because it weighs me three pounds heavier. And the other is the nice scale because it weighs me lighter. Hey, it's all about perspective, right? And guess which one I use. When it comes to weighing yourself, weigh yourself at the beginning of your weight loss journey. And then only weigh yourself once a week after that, on the same day at the same time. Now I weigh myself in the morning, first thing, after I get up, and I don't have a lot of clothes on. Hey, every little bit counts, okay? The reason for being just once a week is because your weight can fluctuate within 2-3 to pounds on any given day, depending on whether or not you're retaining water or how many times you went to the bathroom, etc. And it can be depressing to work hard one day, and then the next day you still weigh the same. Okay, and that's all I'm going to say about that for now. But these are two great ideas that you can do today. You can start right now. Because remember, the first step in starting any health journey is the hardest. And one last thing. If you're following along with my top suggestions, keep doing suggestions one through four, and then add today's two ideas in. And you are well on your way to making life-changing strides. Well, I hope you found this segment helpful please leave me a rating and a review. I'd love to know what you think. You'll find a place in the show notes that asks poll questions or just asks you to answer a question. And I'd really appreciate it if you could fill those out. It would help me so much. And please share this with someone who you think might benefit from it. And now you can also follow me on Instagram. Now keep listening to my mountain adventure segment where I share a true story of fighting a baler and a hay fire in the middle of a drought. It's time now for... Mountain Adventures. During the summer of 2022, Idaho had one of the worst droughts we had seen in a long time. We went like three or four months without an inch of rain, not one drop. Now, our cattle ranch is considered a dry farm, meaning 
that we don't irrigate it with an irrigation system. We just rely on any rain that God will give us. And because we had a pretty wet spring, we managed to get an alfalfa crop, but it was getting very dry, almost too dry to bale. And when it gets this way, Nick will bale in the evening, sometimes all night and into the morning hours to catch any dew he can. The dew makes the hay just damp enough to bale, but not too wet. One early evening near the end of July, Nick was baling hay about a mile from the house in a field we call the Sutton Place. I was at the house doing some things in the house when I got the phone call from Nick. He was rather calm when he told me he had started one of the round bales on fire. On fire, what? Yeah, he said, I had a hot bearing in the baler, and I need you to go get the fire truck and bring it to me. Now, it was sitting at our neighbor's house about five miles away. And he told me he had the fire contained to just the hay bale, but we did need to get it out. Oh, and then he added, oh, and it probably wouldn't hurt to hurry. (laughs) For the last seven years, Nick and I belonged to a volunteer rural fire protection agency called Henry's Creek RFPA, and were actually trained wildland firefighters. And we have to be since our ranch is considered to be a no-man's land and we don't live within a fire district. Well, after I hung up the phone, I quickly threw on my fire gear and, and jumped in the jeep, and I made it to where the fire truck was. The fire truck's an older diesel four-wheel drive pickup with a water tank, fire hose, and a generator on the back. Luckily it started and the tank was full of water. Now I will say the truck doesn't go as fast as I would like it to, and it would be really cool if I had a red light on top, but it doesn't. Well anyway, I finally made it to where Nick was, and we sprayed water around the bale so it wouldn't spread, and then we let the bale burn and burn and burn. We wanted to let it burn down to almost nothing before we put it completely out. And hay bales are packed so tight with hay that they will burn for a long time. And it was midnight when we finally felt it was safe enough to go home. But we were sure thankful for that fire truck. But this wasn't the last fire we would fight that year. It wasn't two months later, at the beginning of October, when I got another phone call from Nick. This time I was cooking dinner and he was finishing up the last of the baling. This time there was an urgency in his voice. He needed the fire truck now. Oh my gosh. And the tank needed to be filled with water. Yeah, about 300 gallons of water. Of course, I sprang into panic. I mean action. (laughs) I turned the stove off and just left the food there. Because when you get a call for a fire, you just drop everything. It didn't take as long as I thought to fill the tank, which was good. Finding the hole to put the water in took me a minute, but I finally found it. And then after the tank was full, I immediately headed for the sun place. Again, this was where the fire was. And when I got there, I had to maneuver the truck through two fence posts. I had maybe two inches to spare on each side, and luckily I made it through, and the side mirrors actually stayed on. The fire was caused by another hot bearing in the baler, but this time the inside of the baler caught on fire. The fire was caused by another hot bearing in the baler, but this time the inside of the baler caught on fire, and as he kicked the bale out, it was on fire and immediately caught the windrow of hay on fire, and the fire took off like a shot. Nick got the baler fire put out, and then he went to work on the roll of hay. He had to move pretty fast, but he was able to move enough hay out of the line of fire so the fire didn't have any more fuel to burn. That's what he was doing while he was waiting for me to get there. Anyway, when when we had the hose ready, we sprayed water on the surrounding rows of hay, as well as all around the hay bale that was burning, and then we waited and waited again for it to burn down far enough that we could put it completely out. We had fire tools in the back of the truck, and both Nick and I used them to keep spreading the hay and embers out so they would burn faster. Luckily, we had several floodlights on the truck so we could see. 
and finally about one o'clock in the morning we headed for home, exhausted. I'm always nervous that the wind will pick up and reignite the fire, but thank goodness it didn't. We had it pretty much out and everything was drenched. Boy, that was another close call. Of course, we have to call and report it to either fire dispatch or the fire coordinator of the RFPA so there's a record of it. We have to give the coordinates of where the fire was and what caused the fire. Cause? (laughs) Humans? Who? Us. Yes, us. (laughs) Do we really have to elaborate? I just knew these fires would be used in our next training. Couldn't we just say some random guy playing with fireworks started it? Well, that wasn't the last fire that season. We had one more to respond to when our neighbor, whose land joins ours, called, and he said lightning had struck a dead tree down in a canyon in the middle of a rainstorm, because that's how dry it was that year, and it started a fire. Now this time, a BLM unit was sent to help, and other RFPA members were there to assist. The wind had increased, and it was moving the fire towards a field of barley. Now if it reached this field, it would take off like a shot. So everyone worked really hard to contain the fire, and within like two hours, we were mopping up the last of the embers. And then the BLM crew stayed and made sure everything was out. So that was three fires that, just on that summer, within a couple of months. Well, guess what was announced at our next fire training? They promptly got up from the front and said, Well, Olson's had three fires this year. Two, they started themselves. (laughs) Oh, great. Well, never a dull moment at the Enbaro Ranch. Remember this, when you've done everything you can do, that's when God will step in and do what you can't. He loves you. Learn more about Him. I promise you won't be disappointed. See you next time.